Southern. Pass swings on the way. Hello, Georgia Southern fans. Welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. We're joined today by Mike Anthony on the podcast. we got a lot to discuss here on a short week for Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern coming off of a a really... uh, you know, damning 37-24 loss to Louisiana Saturday night in Paulson Stadium in front of 19,220, I would say, largely disappointed Eagle fans. Uh, Georgia Southern now moves its record to 1-3, and 0-1 within the league, which is uh, obviously, you know, from here on out, the more important record is the second record uh, behind every team's name. So Louisiana uh, continues rolling. They they now lead... uh, the entire country in rushing touchdowns uh, with 22. They are four and one and one and zero, moving into a really really big uh, game against App State uh, in their next contest. So uh, we got Mike here with us. We're going to run through uh, Louisiana and our takeaways there. Uh, Mike is currently watching the Pittsburgh Steelers Monday Night Football game as we record this on Monday night, um, and so we are grateful that he was able to join us. And we're going to preview South Alabama towards the back end, and then let Mike get back to his game. So thank you, Mike. At least fifty-one of my percent percent of my attention is on you right now. That's fair. That's all I need. That's all I need. That that uh, that costs some people good money to get fifty-one percent of your attention. Um, all right, Mike. Obviously, you've kind of seen and heard and been around all the complaints that I've seen and heard and been around uh, since uh, you know the final whistle on Saturday night. I'll I'll let you start off uh, with your takeaways from Louisiana because you know, as people that listen to this podcast know, you know, you and I kind of. Uh, we had a uh, former Georgia Southern beat writer, Don Heath, in the middle of us this week uh, in the press box. But you and I kind of, uh, you know, give our opinions to each other during the game. And I think this game, uh, you know, we kind of saw some different things. Uh, I've went back and watched it since then. And, and I might be more in line with you now, I think. But I'll let you start. Kind of what were your general takeaways throughout the game and then, uh, you know, following the game? You know, general takeaways, it's still really hard to land on what I think of this team. I know that we were in the same spot last week where I said that this would be the definitive week. You know, you had a couple of uh, P5 opponents on the road. You had a an FCS opponent uh, coming in at home where maybe all those got skewed one way or the other. And I was really hoping that there would be a little bit more clarity. And maybe there is. Um, at the end of it, I, I would say that I walked away you know, personally, as a you know someone who went to Georgia Southern who follows the team, whether I'm right in form or not, it's got to be a little bit disappointing. You hope for a little bit more. Uh, thought the defense could do more. Thought the offense could do more. Um, and not to make excuses, but I, I really think that the jury still has to be out, not on what the season can be, because the season, I think we would both agree, is in a little bit of trouble. There's not you know, a, a ton of ways that the season's going to go great if they don't turn it around quickly. However, I still think you need to uh, factor in all the mitigating stuff of continued injuries and uh, uh, things like that. Not that it's going to rectify itself and not that football owes the Eagles anything, but it's just really hard to know what this team is because I think from what we saw in the spring and what we saw, you know, breaking fall camp or entering into fall camp, 
this hasn't really been a complete team yet. And that's what happens in football. People get hurt. You have to adjust. And I, I think it's a fair yeah. criticism that for all the adjustments that need to be made, Georgia Southern hasn't done it to the amount that they need to do to be a good football team right now. Yeah, and I'll just follow that up with kind of my general takeaways, and then uh, we'll delve a little deeper into kind of some key moments, key numbers, um, you know, and maybe uh, you know some grades for, uh, for for Georgia Southern, um, and then we'll kind of also get to some of, some of your reactions, some of the fan reactions uh, from that night and from the days since, uh, you know. On Twitter and, and in the kind of social media uh, atmosphere of today's college sports, it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint um, where an entire fan base or an entire group of people kind of align in the way that they think. But I, this one seems like most people uh, believe that Georgia Southern um, did not play well on Saturday night, and I still don't think that's true and you know I really think that Georgia Southern played average on Saturday night I don't think that they played the way they should have I mean you should play better than average uh in a game like that and in an atmosphere like that um but you know I think it's sometimes we have to just say that one team is better than another team and that doesn't mean you can't win and Georgia Southern could have won this game this game was winnable um and you know, but that doesn't mean that Louisiana is not a better football team. Uh, you'll hear from Billy Napier in a minute, the Louisiana coach. Um, you know, he said that uh, this was the best performance of the year. He said that junior quarterback Levi Lewis played the best game of his career uh, on Saturday night in, in Paulson Stadium. Uh, and then, you know, it showed 275 rushing yards for Louisiana uh, to 215 for Georgia Southern. That was kind of one of my keys coming in. Um, Georgia Suns now 0-18 when they lose the rushing battle. So uh, we knew that. Uh, but a highlight, I thought, you know, Georgia Southern better on third downs, not uh, world beaters, but 5 of 12 on third downs. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. You won the possession battle finally. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, you strung together several uh, lengthy scoring drives. Now, um, they left a lot to be desired with how they finished those scoring drives with field goals more often than not than touchdowns. But you showed the ability to move the chains, and I think a lot of that has to do with Shy Wirtz being back. Uh, I thought for as you know, for all the reaction I've heard to this game uh, and all the reaction to Wirtz in this game, that people said he was rusty, uh, that he wasn't you know great. I thought Shy Wirtz was really, really, really good. Uh, on Saturday night in Paulson Stadium. Um, you know, what bothers me was a three-point, uh, I think a 3.1-yard average per pass attempt through 12 attempts. You got to be trying to take a little bit more chances uh, down the field, I would think. But overall, for me, Mike, I think Georgia Southern uh, played a pretty good football game. I know during the game, um, you know, you saw a lot of things you didn't like. I saw some things I didn't like either, but I think, you know, I might have seen it through a little bit more of a rose-colored lens uh, than you did, Mike. I guess, you know, I'll, we'll start with kind of one of the main things um, to to kind of break down the Louisiana rushing game versus the Georgia Southern defense. Mike, uh, Louisiana, 275 yards. Is that more because of what Louisiana did and how good they played? Or was it something you saw from Georgia Southern that you didn't like that led to that kind of a number? Well, I, 
I think that this would tie into my overall opinion of the game. And it's that, you know, as you mentioned, there were some things you saw that you liked, but overall, when you add it all up, it's going to end up in frustration for Georgia Southern. And it's because of things like what you said, you know, their average uh, uh, coming into the game, 285 yards of rushing, they were averaging 363. So, you know, if, if you tell me that you're going to hold someone to about two thirds of their uh, average and the thing that they do best is their bread and butter, you, you got to be happy with that. But on the other hand, you know, you look at some third downs where Georgia Southern had a, uh, uh, the six in their favor defensively, and they just miss a tackle, as uh, Coach Lunsford alluded to today in the press conference, or you don't get quite lined up right and you end up with numbers on the wrong side where maybe you had the right call on the field. So those are the little things that added up. And I agree with you in that I don't think Georgia Southern played a bad game, but they did too many little things wrong. And I, I, I think that last year, they did so many little things right. And, of course, you can argue about the, the turnover ratio and all that and how that helped them. But I think that stems from doing a lot of little things right. And when you do those uh, wrong, they go the opposite direction. You end up with a game like Louisiana where they, they didn't get smoked on any plays. They didn't get totally shut down on offense. But in all the plays that mattered, it seemed like there was either a flag coming out for Georgia Southern or a missed assignment for Georgia Southern or – a guy for Louisiana who's able to fight through a block or fight through a tackle and make the, the little bit extra effort that gets the, the chains moving. It doesn't have to be an 80-yard touchdown. Sometimes it's as simple as we call the play on third and five and you call the play that should have stopped it, and yet something happened in between and they got seven yards and keeps the chains moving, whereas on the other side, you don't do that. You end up punting. You give them the, the ball back. So that's kind of where I stood, and that's where I think – some of the frustration you got from me up in the press box came from was, you know, it's going to happen. Bad plays happen, but it seemed to me like all the 50, 50 plays, not by luck, but by organization, by execution, were going towards uh, Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I think that's, uh, you know, a good summary of what a lot of fans maybe are trying to voice, but I just don't know that um, the complaint, the, the, say that in a lot fewer words. You just have to be a lot angrier. I think that's what social media has proven to be for. Well, I mean, yeah, no, look, I hear that. I'm saying, like, you know, I think you can say, hey, we played like shit or, or we didn't play up to our standard, uh, and that pisses me off without kind of making it a forecast for the rest. Did you see anything on Saturday, Mike, that like would lead you to believe that, like, you know, this season is, is doomed? I mean, I know... You, you need to win a lot of games now moving forward. But I, I don't I, – the reason why I said that I think uh, Saturday was an average performance, uh, would you agree with this, Mike? Was it the best of their four performances this season? I think it was. It was the best of, of, a, of a bad group of performances. But it was the best of the year, I thought. Uh, that's tough to say. If I had to put it in that context, I would say that it was probably the most consistent of their performances. They didn't give up – big plays, but they didn't get big plays. Um, you know, they, they won the turnover battle, like you said, which had been a struggle for them before. I would say that Minnesota, I know that we talked about how they may have been lucky to be in that game, but all they the got dominated. They got But they also made the biggest plays of the game, and at the end of the day, it, right. it matters who's on top, and they were on top until 13 seconds ago, whereas against Louisiana – 
you know, they have a they, they were in the game, a one but possession they game, weren't the winning quarter. that game at any point in the fourth quarter. Okay, but hear me out. The, the two plays against Minnesota, huge plays, right? Kept them in the game, uh, and we said. That's why they were in the game. So Yeah, they kept them in the game, yeah. The, okay, so the two muffed punts, I know it wasn't something Georgia Southern did, but those are also two special teams plays that kept Georgia Southern in the game. So we can't just eliminate the muffed punt. We can't just be like, oh, they had muffed punts, and that's why it was a close game. I mean, that that's part of the game, right? I mean, it's the same thing as a uh, something as wacky as a strip uh, fumble recovery and then a scoop and score and then a blocked field goal that gets ran back all the way to the house. Th- those two things are also kind of out of the ordinary uh, occurrences. I absolutely hear you, but you know, for you to discount those because they're extraordinary, you would have to also discount and not saying that you should because this is entirely on Georgia Southern, but the continued phenomena of the inability to snap the ball four yards back to the quarterback. You, yeah. you take away every bad snap, Georgia Southern might be a three and one team right now. But again, you know, that's playing the ifs and buts and you got to add up all the plays. I'm just saying that. I thought that Georgia Southern played its most consistent game. They didn't have the biggest plays, but they also didn't allow the big plays that they did against uh, Minnesota. So I thought that they had themselves in a in a position to where if they could have turned the tide or played a little better and made one or two more big plays, they could have won a game against a very good Louisiana team. But as you said, you know, Louisiana, they were probably just a little bit better team. Not to say Georgia Southern could couldn't have won it, but they didn't, and they didn't do anything special to turn that tide. Yeah, that's fair. Um, after the game, uh, we talked to Coach Lunsford in the post-game press conference. Um, I asked him about Georgia Southern's plan to win, and kind of, uh, you know, because after the game, I'm thinking what I what I just said. You know, I don't know that it was that awful of a performance, or if Louisiana just played really well. Uh, and I tended to think the latter. Um, so I asked Lunsford, you know, run through those five categories in your plan to win. Um, and then kind of could you tell us if you guys checked off, you know, two of those, one of those, four of those, so on and so forth. Um, and uh, Lunsford uh, basically said that, uh, you know, they checked off three three and a half of those things. Here's what Lunsford had to say when I asked him about uh, their plan to win against Louisiana. Coach, you talk about um, y'all's plan to win uh, coming into every game is, you know, pretty much the same. Don't, Eagles don't beat Eagles um, and so on. I guess tonight, uh, before you watch the film, can you kind of run through that checklist and and tell us how you think you guys did in those categories? Yeah, um, you know, so Here's the deal. We, we talk about our plan to win. We got five things that we do. We talk about our turnovers, takeaway margin. Uh, we talk about our outrushing the opponent. Okay. We talk about playing great special teams to change the game. We talk about Eagles don't beat Eagles, no self-inflicted wounds, and we talk about finishing. All right. So when you run down this, we were plus two today in turnover takeaways. Okay. So we accomplished that goal. The running game did not. That's tough when you're a running football team and you don't dominate the run game, then that's a problem. Uh, Special teams, you know, we'll have to look at it, but obviously getting two turnovers, um, you know, with with them dropping punts, muffing punts, um, that's obviously, you know, um, a a good thing for us. Uh, Only three penalties tonight, um, so there was not a lot of self-inflicted wounds um, like there have been, so that did improve. Um, And then the biggest thing that's going to stick out in the plan to win 
to us when we sit in here as a team is 14 to three in the fourth quarter. That's the difference in the ball game. We needed to get some stops. You know, if you if you want to, you go back to the first quarter, second quarter, and you, you, you're kicking field goals instead of uh, scoring touchdowns. That could have made a difference. Uh, but, you know, not being able to score more points than them in the fourth obviously didn't allow us to win this football game. All right, so there's Lunsford talking about uh, the Eagles' plan to win, which doesn't really change every, you know, by the game. It kind of is what it is. Um, you know, the fourth quarter scoring thing, uh, when the other team outscores you in the fourth quarter, uh, that's why you lost. You know, that's not really rocket science, I don't think. Um, uh, but I did want to kind of move right into our key uh, moments Um of this game, Mike, and I'll start with two for me, um, and then you can kind of point to one or two that you thought uh, were game-changing. Uh, first in the third quarter, um, uh, Louisiana's fourth and goal uh, touchdown that was really back-breaking, I thought, for Georgia Southern. Fourth and goal from the Georgia Southern. Uh, I, I think it was from the one-yard line, Mike? Uh, from uh, the, You're talking about the Louisiana touchdown? Yeah, it was right down there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the one maybe the two it was yeah. down there if not the one then the two so and you know we the louisiana rushing game which is all world uh fourth and centimeters from uh the georgia southern one of course louisiana goes play action pass right uh, of course they don't run it there um so georgia southern i thought covered it up beautifully uh and then levi lewis kind of just uh almost just backtracked a little bit just kind of uh, you know, moved backwards and bought himself a little time and then uh, kind of just threw a little BB like a, like he was throwing a dart um, kind of across his body into the back of the end zone for a touchdown uh, early in the third quarter, which, I, you know, I think that was uh, Louisiana's response. That was their responding drive after Georgia Southern opened the third quarter uh, by going three and out for a grand total of negative 16 yards uh, on their opening third quarter drive. That was uh, tough to watch. That was one of only two three and outs for the Georgia Southern offense, though. Uh, that's another thing that I, you know, I liked from this game. You didn't have a lot of three and outs. Um, you only had three penalties. Um, you know, and I think. Obviously, Tyler Bass uh, was lights out in the special teams department. Anthony Beck has been, um, you know, really, really, really good. He punted for a 48-yard average, I think, on um, on Saturday night. So that that is, you know, really good. Obviously, those are kind of better metrics than what Bowerly was offering um, in 2018. Uh, one more kind of maybe forgotten moment. Um, in the fourth quarter, uh, before Georgia Southern began its first drive, Jesse Liptrot, uh, and it's not J.D. King returning kicks, number 15, it's Liptrot. Um, so I see that get confused. In the college game, you got the dual numbers up. Right, but you know, you could always uh, maybe try and figure out what each player looks like and then use your eyes and look and see. You won't have to worry about that anymore because I think we saw the depth chart and it's going to be number 12 this week. Bless up for Wesley Kennedy's return uh, on his birthday today also. So happy birthday to Wes and uh, please, please, please get this offense moving uh, on Thursday night. But but listen, I wanted to say uh, Lip Trot's kick return to open their fourth quarter was really, really, really bad. Uh, it was down right around the one 
the kickoff would have landed right around the one or the goal line. Um, but obviously, there's a new rule uh, that was put in place before last season, I think. And you can fair catch at any spot uh, inside the 20 on a kickoff and, and get it, uh, you know, at, is it at 20 or at 25? 25, yeah. So at the 25, so even if the ball wasn't going to go in the end zone, if you're going to catch it, then fair catch it. He brought it out. I think they made it to the Georgia Southern 12. Uh, Georgia Southern then proceeded to go on a 14-play drive, which ended um, on a fourth and short when they elected to kick a field goal, uh, which I'm good with the field goal, but that's the kind of thing. If you, if you start that drive at the 25, you never know how it works out, but it those yards matter. Um that was a 13-yard difference between starting at 25 and starting at the 12 early in the fourth quarter, down two touchdowns. Um, you got to be able to know know the spot and, and kind of know what to do there. Fair catch the ball and take it on the 25. Uh, Lunsford immediately uh, got in Liptrot's face after that. Um, wasn't you know angry, but kind of just teaching him. I, you know, I'm not even sure the Liptrot considered uh, the fair catch from outside of the end zone. That for me was a, a big moment. Uh, Mike, for you, I guess, were there any kind of decisions, uh, moments, plays, um, lack of decisions? I saw people wondering why there was no onside kick uh, in the fourth quarter. I didn't think there was ever an opportunity to onside kick. Um, you know, you you can't onside kick down seven with more than five minutes in the game. That's, you, you know what I mean? You can't do that. So for you, Mike, was there anything that you saw that uh, you kind of wanted to hit on? Yeah, well, going back to that uh, field goal drive you were talking about and the uh, the kickoff return decision to begin that drive, you know, you were harping on the beginning of it. I would harp on the end of it. And I get it. You need to get points. You're still in the game. You aren't really uh, submarining your chances by taking three instead of seven. But what I would argue is that look at the big picture. And, you know, I told you earlier about how I didn't think Georgia Southern played bad, but they weren't doing anything all that well, which in their offense means no big plays, which means no short drives when you're running the ball 80% of the time. So you've really got to take stock of what just happened. Like I, I realized that going for it on, fourth and short and not getting it would have been devastating. There would have been booze coming down from the crowd. The final score probably would have been worse than it ended up being. But if you're Coach Lunsford, if you're Coach DeBest calling the plays up in the box, not saying that I know better than them, but as far as anyone can figure, going by how the game's gone so far, you can't imagine that there's too many more drives left in the tank. So you've got to get as many points as you can. And we saw that again, a couple of extended drives there in the uh, uh, final drives of the game for Georgia Southern that are exactly what the fans want to see. It'd be a lot better if you could get those early in the game and use it to build a lead. The the eight minute, 80 yard drive that only results in three points it ends up being a thorn in your side when you were down 10 or 14 to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. That, that's a good point. Uh, and for those unfamiliar, Mike's referring to this Georgia Southern drive that started um, with 12 minutes and 25 seconds left in the game. Louisiana um, is up 31, 24 or 31, 21 uh, Georgia Southern. It actually uh, was, you know, one of the better drives. Like they finally did yeah. what everybody's been ragging on them for, uh, for 
the last couple of years, they were running effective uh, uh, inside zone running game inside the tackle. Yeah. Now, is that because Louisiana thought, hey, we're just going to give you that? Is it because the offensive line finally executed? To me, up in the press box, I thought it was good execution. There was more drive. There was more intensity. But at the same time, it's gaining, you know, six and seven yards. Those aren't going to pop for 20 yards all that often. And if you want to be the most optimistic person you can be, you can say that, hey, they would have had it. They just needed another quarter. But you got to realize that no one's going to gift you another quarter. You got to work with yeah. the time you have. Yeah, I hear you. And I think what Bob DeBest would say there is that that's why we do the, uh, and I know no one wants to hear this, but you would say that's why we establish things early in the game. That's why we establish things like the dreaded dive uh, early in the game. Um, But the myth, and it is a myth, that Georgia Southern on Saturday was dive, 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 punt. That's a myth. And uh, I'll tell you why, because the opposing coach after the game uh, said as much that Georgia Southern was not vanilla on Saturday. And, you know, if you don't want to listen to a guy that, that is paid to watch film and watch and prepare for a team. And and he's telling you they offered something different on Saturday and Louisiana was just able to stop it. If you don't want to listen to that, then you don't really want to listen to facts. Here's Billy Napier when he was asked um, about Georgia Southern and kind of what they looked like after they won. Well, I think just in general, this is a program that's built on stopping the run and rushing the ball. And those, those are things that we take pride in. So strength against strength, um, you know, and... and it's a mindset. It's a mentality. It's an approach. Um, it's how you practice. It's the words you say. It's the strength and conditioning staff. It's you know both lines of scrimmage. It's you know it, it's a. It, I, I hate to use that cliche word, but it's a culture, and it's something that your people have to buy into. And certainly that was reflected in tonight's game. Your linebackers. I thought Jacques had a great game and. They just were very active. Yeah. You know, in front guys, a lot of that has to do with it's coordinated. You know, the front guys are in their gap. They're striking the right guy. They're keeping the guys off the backers. The backers are fitting it well. We strung out the plays at critical times. And, you know, we tackled for the most part pretty well. You know, they had us in some advantage plays, and we feathered it and got them on the ground. But, you know, for them to have their starting quarterback back, um, you know, that's them at their best. All right, so there's Napier saying that, that Georgia Southern throws in wrinkles early in the game. Um, obviously, they, you know, they didn't really work, but that's not on Bob the best completely. Um, that drive that Georgia Southern went and, and eventually settled for a Tyler Bass 31-yard field goal, uh, they were fourth and four from the Louisiana 14 uh, with five minutes and 40 seconds on the clock. So you kick that field goal, and, you know, if they would have went for it, I would have been good with that as well. Um, so I'm not saying that the field goal was, you know, the obvious choice. But they decided to go f- uh, for the field goal. You make it. Now it's 31-24 Louisiana with 535 on the clock. Okay, then Louisiana, you you can't, and Mike, you would agree, you can't onside kick there, right? Thirty down, thirty-one twenty-four with five thirty-five on the clock. That's where I think you're going to get some argument. You know, when the when the final score ends up with thirty-seven points on the board for the opponent, there's going to be people that are saying you never stopped them. Why would you think you were going to again? But that's a defeatist attitude. 
And I get that you have to have some, uh, you know, insight into it and make a calculated decision. But no, I agree. Like best case scenario, even if they don't recover the onside kick, which you can't assume they will about the stats that show that about 10% of them work. Right. So assuming that the next best case scenario plays out where Louisiana recovers, they're around midfield, you go three and out, you know, now you're doing exactly what I was just, uh, uh, taking some umbrage with before you're putting your offense on the field with about three and a half minutes left and sure it hasn't played bad but it certainly hasn't moved down the field with any sort of urgency and you would be forcing them to mount a drive that not only ends in a touchdown rather than a field goal but that does it in half the time that they've done it all night whereas if you kick deep get a three and out you know at least then you're probably working with a, a little bit uh less field to deal with and i i don't know i i i, I agree with you you, you don't I just think yeah i just think yeah, I just think once you don't onside it, let's not complain about the lack of an onside. Here's what you got to complain about. When Louisiana comes out up seven with five minutes on the clock, okay, what do you think they're going to do? What do you think the number one rushing team in the country is going to want to do? Run the ball. So here's here's what Louisiana ripped off, though. My, listen to the, I got the play chart in front of me. Listen to these runs up seven on probably their most crucial drive of the game. Uh Trey Regus, 9 yards. Regus, 20 yards. Regus, 32 yards. Mitchell, 11 yards. Mitchell, 2 yards. Timeout Georgia Southern at 2.35 on the clock. Regus rushes for 1 yard uh, from the Georgia Southern one uh, with 2.34 on the clock and scores a touchdown. So Louisiana goes 6 plays, or I'm sorry, yeah, Louisiana goes 6 plays, 75 yards, uh, um, you know, three minutes it it takes off the clock, and they go up thirty seven twenty four. That is what that is what cost you there. Um, you, you can't allow back to back to back uh, first down, or I'm sorry, yeah, four in a row, four four first downs in a row for Louisiana on that drive where you kind of knew what was coming right at you. Um, and to Mike's point before the game, uh, last week's episode, Mike touched on the first downs and kind of how important that is. And, and that's something that, you know, we usually do harp on. Uh, here's the first down stats. Uh, Georgia Southern, 28 first down snaps in this game. They gained 82 total yards. That's a three-yard average. Uh, they averaged 2.9 yards on first down carries, um, and they picked up a grand total of one first down on first down. Louisiana, on the other hand, 30 snaps, 214 yards, seven yard average. They rushed for a 6.8 yard average uh, on first downs, and they got seven first downs on first down. That's big boy football, and that is a really good football team. Uh, Georgia Southern should have done more to try to stop it, but that's a sign of a really good team, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I'll kind of leave that right there. Uh, I think, um, Mike, I wanted to, you know, get to this Lunsford post game press conference. Um, let's let the listeners hear what Lunsford had to say. Greg Talbot of WSAV and the ESPN Plus. Uh, um, uh, personality for Georgia Southern Athletics says uh, or asked Lunsford to kind of speak directly to Eagle Nation, and this was something I haven't heard from Lunsford in a while. Uh, do with do with this what you will, but uh, 
you'll hear the question as well as the response from Lunsford. Listen to the question and then listen to how Lunsford decided to answer it. Uh, here's Chad Lunsford on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I would encourage Eagle Nation not to give up on us, uh, not to give up on our team. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big, big boy. I, I mean, I get it. And, and people are going to say what they say, and, and that's fine. You, you know, ultimately, my life is going to be defined how I affected each person in this room on this football team individually. What did I teach them for later in life? Winning football games allows me to do that longer. Losing football games probably allows that to do shorter, but that's okay. God's got me. God orders my steps, and that's what defines me, an audience of one. Eagle Nation, I love you. Don't give up on us because we're going to be back. We're going to be fine. All right, so there's Lunsford talking about, um, you know, how – you know, he's ultimately going to be judged on the way he impacts uh, the players, you know, kind of on and off the field and uh, and kind of, you know, if he wins, he'll he'll be allowed to impact them greater for longer. If he loses, he won't. And that's, you know, fine and well. Then he starts talking about how God guides his steps. That's also fine and well. Do with that what you will. But I just thought it was a kind of strange turn from what we've kind of always known about Lunsford. Right? Now, I know he's a man of faith. Um, you know, he's not shy about that. I obviously knew that. But I have i haven't heard him kind of, uh, you know, address that kind of side of it when he was asked uh, to talk to Eagle Nation. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just thought the entire post-game press conference, and you can find it, you know, that on savannahnow.com, um, you know, or if you scroll down my Twitter timeline, you can find the audio of that full presser. But I just thought, Mike, and you can, you've been in a lot more press conferences than I have with Lunsford and with Georgia Southern coaches. I thought it was a weird press conference. And, and then, no, weird's not the right word. I thought it was a different press conference uh, than what I'm accustomed to uh, with this program and with this coach. Uh, what Did you have any like uh, takeaways from uh, either you know those comments from Lunsford or other comments from Lunsford uh, during the post-game press conference? So, and I know he also um, you know kind of talked about how he you know sees the fans reactions and he sees all that on social media um, and you know he's not going to stand up there and say he doesn't pay attention to it. He does. He talked about that today, Monday in Statesboro. Um, Mike, what were your takeaways from that post-game press conference anything stand out to you yeah i'm not gonna lie you know the exact point that you pinpointed uh my ears kind of perked up too just as you said it was different you know i don't i'm not gonna judge somebody for saying how they feel and honestly i think that you know now that i everybody's had 48 hours to to think on it i think that that's where that was coming from is that uh you know chad he, he's a good guy. He's a guy that I think has been nothing but candid since he took over. And I think that, you know, viewing it through the spectrum of a winning team versus a losing team, it's easy to see that candidness is coming off as two different ways. You know, it's, it's jovial and it's fun and it results in smashing chairs and everybody partying and loving that when they're winning. And when they don't, it, you know, can come across as like, you know, I don't even know how to put it. You know, that that he just 
it can come across as like PJ Fleckish, like like kind of deflecting. While I, yeah, maybe overconfident, maybe maybe saying that no, just trust me, this is going to work. I got this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I honestly think that the other thing that I would put into that post game conference from Saturday night is that there's a lot of a lot of emotion going on. I think that he knew how big that game was in terms of the season goals and what can be accomplished for Georgia. Oh, yeah. You, you could feel it in the room. I mean, you could feel it. Yeah, I, I think that he really does believe that this isn't a bad team. They can come back. I think that he was also weighing that. And on the other side of the scale in his mind, it's him knowing exactly how tough the road is ahead and what that means in terms of winning the division, winning the conference, being bowl eligible. And, you know, when you're, when you're having, you know, that much stress on both sides of the scale, emotion's going to take over. And with him, emotion, not to be a psychoanalyst, I don't know him all that well. He's a good guy, but I, I think that, you know, with him, that means a lot of emotion and a lot of uh, candidness. And that's what you got from him. I, don't, I can't really fault him for it. I don't think that he really took the wrong line. I, I think that you can read into it what you will, but I, I also think that a day and a half afterwards when they've gotten in the film room, when they've talked to the guys, when everybody slept on it, he still does mean what he said, but I think he also not backtracked, but reiterated his stance when he was talking about reading social media. He also made it a point to mention that of course he hears it. Of course he knows it, but that's also one of the reasons why you know, he was here once, came back here again, accepted the position because he likes it. He embraces it. He leans into it. So maybe that means you get some strong emotional, strong uh, uh, leanings one way or the other in his responses. But I think that if nothing else, it proved that he knows where the barometer's at and he's still confident in his team and no one's given up on him yet. Yeah, and, and to kind of wrap up the Louisiana weekend and Lunsford's comments after the game, uh, you know, I think, you know, let me just run through a couple of bullet points to get this off my chest and let you, you know you guys know where I stand. I think a uh, um, Lunsford is obviously in, in zero trouble right now uh, for job security or anything like that. I don't know that anyone's even considering that at this point, though. Uh, I think uh, B. It is okay to criticize uh, coaches and coaching decisions and um, you know coaching tendencies without being critical of the coach. In other words, uh, when a quarterback has a bad game, you can still agree that this quarterback is a really good quarterback and a great quarterback and an awesome player, but he played uh, bad. Coaches likewise can have bad games, um, so you know that's possible. And then I guess finally, you know, I think it is going to be very, very interesting to kind of watch how this thing progresses. Um, now, if Georgia Southern loses Thursday night in Mobile, um, we're going to have real, real problems and real angst throughout this fan base. But, you know, short week, I think if you can win and win handily, like you probably should at South Alabama, and we'll preview them, you know, right, right after this. If you can win handily, I think a lot of this kind of stress and a lot of this talk and a lot of this discussion goes away. 
Georgia Southern is one and three, but the next three games they play, they'll be favorites in all of them, I would assume. Uh, they're 13 and a half point favorite this week. You could potentially go into an October 31st game at Boone, North Carolina uh, against App State, who may well be ranked by that point. Um, and I think they're guaranteed to be ranked if they win up until that point. Um, you could go into that game four and three and two and one in the conference. That's fine. I think a lot of us would have been, you know, okay with that coming into the year. And a lot of us kind of picked that kind of a start. So there are ways to get this thing going, and it starts for sure on Thursday night. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, or what have you. But go join the mailing list for the newsletter, and this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side side of the homepage, click get our newsletters and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. In Mobile, let's move right into a mic and we'll be very brief with the South Alabama preview uh, short week but we wanted to at least touch on it 13 and a half point favorites georgia southern is against south alabama who is one and four oh and one in the Sun Belt. um they are four and 13 uh in the last two years or one plus year i guess under head coach steve campbell um south alabama is historically not great against georgia southern and that is an extreme understatement 5-0 Georgia Southern is against South Alabama, including a 2014 win, which was the first win for Georgia Southern in Sunbelt Conference history. It was their first um, of eight, I think, I guess eight, yeah, 8-0 uh, in 2014 for Georgia Southern. So the first of eight conference wins that season. Um, in five games, Georgia Southern has outscored South Alabama, get this, Mikey, 207-45. to 45. South Alabama in five games against Georgia Southern has scored a whopping three offensive touchdowns. Georgia Southern, meanwhile, has scored 27 touchdowns. 22 of those have come on the ground. That ain't bad. So I think Georgia Southern obviously handles South Alabama historically. I like them to handle them again this week, and I would project, predict, uh, even despite not having starting center Jacob Cooper again this week, who's out with concussion, I'd expect Georgia Southern to win handily in this game. Um, and if you're betting entertainment purposes only money, I would bet Georgia Southern at that 13 number. I really would. Um, on the road on a Thursday night, that's how confident I am this team's going to bounce back. And that's how confident I am that they showed glimpses of improvement on Saturday. South Alabama is the worst scoring offense uh, in the Sun Belt, averaging 16.8 points per game. Um, they are also not, you know, they're not world beaters at really anything. Uh, they are okay, I guess, uh, in, in the defensive department, fourth in total defense in the league, but they're sixth in rushing yards allowed, averaging 180 a game. 
that bodes well for Georgia Southern. Um, and they're also not too efficient when it comes uh, to throwing the ball. Uh, they're not great when it comes to running the ball. They're seventh in the league when it comes to running the ball. So you have an opportunity here. Uh, obviously, the key guy for South Alabama uh, has been since he arrived in Mobile is Trey Minter. They're do it all back. Uh, I believe he's top three in the conference right now in all purpose charts. He, um, you know, is a really, really good back who kind of is one of the rare breeds nowadays. Uh, Mike, a, a bell cow back. I think Lunsford referred to him as a bell cow back um, and kind of a guy that doesn't uh, split carries. Uh, he doesn't split time. He doesn't take a lot of plays off and he's on the field a lot. Uh, Georgia Southern can manage to keep him uh, in check. At least I think everything will be just fine for them. Uh, anything stand out for you, Mike, uh, moving into this week, short week, national TV game, uh, on the road, heavy favorites? Uh, what do you see coming up in this one? Yeah, you've got the abstracts that, you know, short week road game, as you just mentioned, that usually doesn't vote well for the team having to travel on short notice. But you look at the other metrics, and it, it seems to be in Georgia Southern's favor, not just in rankings of offenses and defense defenses, but in how the game's going to go. Uh, Louisiana, I thought that as good as their rushing defense was, when Georgia Southern had them in tight spots and they were able to, you know, really line up and made Louisiana think about it, I thought that they performed a little bit better. When Louisiana got a little bit of a rhythm and they were able to up the tempo, that's where you started seeing the things where uh, Lunsford was talking about today, where they were missing tackles, where they were lining up wrong, even though they might have had what he thought was – uh, the right call. And in South Alabama, I think you've got an offense, like, as you said, not only doesn't move the ball all that well, score the ball all that well, but they seem to be aware of that fact that they're taking their time to try to set up. I think that that plays into Georgia Southern's defense's hand. I think you'll see a lot more of the defensive promise that you saw um, looking at Georgia Southern preseason come out against South Alabama. I think the offense just needs to keep plugging away. Hopefully the snaps go a little bit better. Hopefully Wesley Kennedy third will uh, provide a little bit of a spark. But um, overall, I think it's just a good matchup for Georgia Southern. You, you throw in the good juju of uh, them always seeming to do a little bit better against South Alabama than everybody else in the league. And then on top of everything, I think you go back to what I talked about with uh, uh, Lunsford and him being candid, him knowing and recognizing the spot they're in and choosing to lean into it, that's all well and good. That's a good enough soundbite for a Monday afternoon, but then you've got to go and back it up by playing like you realize what the situation is. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it, this This is a really, really giant opportunity, and for the first time all season, and this has a lot to do with the opponent, for the first time all season, um, I really have a good feeling about Georgia Southern moving into this game. Um, obviously a short week for both sides, but we've heard, you know, a lot of coaches say it, you've heard me say it hundreds of times, when a team doesn't have ample time to prepare for the option, it tends to go uh, the option team's way. When a team has more than the average seven-day time span uh, to prepare for the option, it usually goes in that team's favor. Uh, you know, I wish it wasn't that way. But that's the way it is. So I think Georgia Southern, uh, you know, has an opportunity to kind of beat up and really enforce, you know, its will on uh, South Alabama. I look for a lot of season highs uh, to this point to come out of this game. Um, And then, yeah, again, Wes Kennedy back for Georgia Southern. 
uh, they will be without starting center Jacob Cooper. Um, Mike, unless you got anything else, we'll wrap it right there and let you get back to Monday Night Football. You, you want to tell everyone how to follow you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, catch me in print in the uh, Statesboro Herald, uh, online on statesboroherald.com. We put out some videos every week. Uh, the Eagles Nest, you can catch uh, me and Josh Aubrey giving a rundown of Georgia Southern Athletics every week. And then you can follow me on Twitter at at Harold GS Sports. All right, yeah, you can find our stuff uh, for Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com slash sports. Sign up for the Georgia Southern Newsletter there every Tuesday night, Wednesday morning in your email inbox. Uh, you can find that on the Savannah Now homepage. You can follow me on Twitter at Jadon Sports, J-A-U-D-O-N Sports. Um, and then once you get done listening to this episode, uh, do me a favor, rate and subscribe the Georgia Southern Extra podcast. Tell your friends about it um, because as the season moves along, we're not going anywhere. We'll continue to talk Georgia Southern football um, as the Eagles hopefully at some point get back to good and then start worrying about uh, getting back or getting to great. Uh, so Thursday night, 7.30 Eastern time kickoff on ESPNU for Georgia Southern and South Alabama. We'll be back at some point either uh, late weekend or early next week to break that one down um, and then kind of do some more big picture stuff as Georgia Southern heads into another bye week uh, after that. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Southern. Ah, swing!